0: Hi there, welcome to The Circus Tent. Already our 21st act. I can't believe it, but we're on the roll. And I still think that there are a lot of acts that we still can produce because the life of an entrepreneur is never, never boring. So I'm happy to introduce to you today a special person in the circus uh, artist world. Called the pitchman. And remember when you were visiting a small town market somewhere in the countryside, these are the rare opportunities to meet exceptional people selling all kinds of goods like garments, fruits, vegetables, second hand items and food. And as a young kid I was always a fan of the pitchman or pitch lady person who sells merchandise with extensive talks, demonstration. And they were easy to find, given the noise they make at the market. (laughs) I still hear them around. And as a young kid, I was seeing the pitchman filling a big bag with, with candy and chocolates and throwing it around and making jokes with people watching this performance from the pitchman or pitch lady. Five guilders, five guilders, is what the pitchman said at that time. And you will get a very extensive pack of specjes. It's a Dutch treat, extra for free. And specjes is a sweet sugar-coated marshmallow, actually. And sometimes people put chocolate on it. Uh, kids love it. And especially when I was young, I, I was really, you know, intrigued by this performance of this person on the market. And you could see the masses of people in, in the small town village going towards this guy. And there were a lot of different pitchmen, pitch ladies um, in, in the, the 70s and 80s uh, selling cleaning material for your house, uh videos uh you name it and they were selling that and what I found really attractive um of their shows because they were really able to to make it entertaining and that's why they they sold a lot uh, of sweets of of items and and so on and i think it's uh it's a big example uh, that uh can make our online shopping even more interesting and more an experience than it is um, uh, after two years of uh, corona um, that we are experiencing right now by ordering and shopping at home. It's uh, There's no real thing like real-life experiences. And years later, I was working on a corporate finance department, helping clients at... Um, a bank with mergers and acquisitions and that's actually where i first started to learn the basic drills of powerpoint and excel and if you can't do anything with computers you will learn it in investment banking because you have to because otherwise your working days would be lasting a little bit longer than 6 in the evening time. And the office was, was a brilliant office, it was located next to the Amstel uh, River in Amsterdam. And I always drove with my scooter to the office across the Vondel Park, this beautiful alleys and streets um, in Amsterdam, southern part of Amsterdam, and across the Amstel River, um, parked my scooter. Um, inside the Rembrandt Tower, iconic uh, building um, in Amsterdam. And it was a wonderful experience uh, for me at that time, working with highly intelligent uh, people who were hardworking. And actually, it was crazy subculture. If you look at the the morale and and the the hours spent on on clients and, and the pitching modes Uh, we were in and I was joining uh, their team of investment bankers as uh, as a junior and basically you're starting uh, at the lower uh, end of the ladder and it was, for me, it was perfect because I was blank. I uh, had been a relationship banker for a number of years, um, previously uh, joining uh, the investment bank department so... I was used to getting along with clients. Uh, I had at that time uh, uh, my own portfolio of clients, I own lease car, so I could learn a lot. But at some point, I really missed the analytical side of banking and to play around with numbers and to understand businesses more from the inside instead of like presenting numbers uh, provided by the accounting uh firms uh, on behalf of the clients and that you could draw up a credit report, credit application. So it was uh, an interesting step for me uh, to, to go from uh, a local branch of a business bank uh, to uh, towards the uh, investment banking uh, department, uh, working on a really high pace with people smart as hell. Um, so it was a big period for me of, uh, of growth. And in nearly every meeting with a customer, we had to prepare presentation material, providing numbers and details of a prospective investment uh, or target company, some numbers about revenues, um, insights of the management team, developments in the market, the latest comparable deals. It was a ton of work for us to, uh, to complete. And... Actually, it's no wonder that the senior colleagues exploited our team of analysts and associates extensively. Man, they were really, really managing the slaves there. <laughs> and I think they were right to do it because it's a part of a hierarchy uh, and it's part of the culture. So um, you uh, you need to make uh, use of it and embrace it and uh, learn as much as, uh, as you can. Um, and... Basically, we were working uh, also for a very big bonus every year that we got in uh, February. And the perks we got, uh, even, you know, at the lowest end of the ladder were crazy. Our own credit cards, every night cater dinner and flying to several international destinations, visiting clients or just going on the ski trip. I loved it, but at the same time, I also tried to learn as much as possible um because you can use the experience and the mentality uh, that you are able to to experience there and and leverage that in your professional career um or in a career as an entrepreneur and at that time i really did not have it figured out um exactly what i wanted to do but already as a young kid i uh, i knew that i uh, always wanted to be an entrepreneur Uh, But first of all, I needed to explore the world of the Marine Corps and then the banking world. And yeah, that was for me a a perfect start. Um, And in the banking world, I gained a particular interest in technology and was helping several media and tech companies to investigate the business models and making sure they were looking good to probably sell off to other investors and to grow their businesses more uh, extensively. So the work mainly consisted of uh, sell mandates, um, merger mandates, um, or acquisition mandates. So you can could sell a company on behalf of uh, a customer, uh, acquire a company on behalf of a customer, or set up mergers uh, between more like-minded and like-sized companies. And in this work, I learned to build our own pitch material, so about teaser documents uh, that you can share with investors pitch presentations, diving into all the different components um, of the companies investment memoranda is extensive booklet uh, that was shared to um, a lot of investors to also uh, trigger interest and and capture attention and and set up the uh the sale process uh on behalf of our client and those were very highly structured uh, processes that you need, needed to follow and in the beginning you were getting a lot of orders so to say from uh, from the superiors to, to complete this and complete that and as part of the game you, you always had too short time and everything needed to be finalized today so at some point you also need to find your own way through it and um, sometimes look a little bit busy, I can't make it here, I have a different client, so you need to find your way around, so you can't actually please uh, everyone there. So I was able to, to kind of like uh, make my way through it. I already had some uh, experience uh, working with clients, so that has helped me a lot to also move um, a little bit further on, on the ladder and get more responsibilities So all the documents, you know, that uh, we had to create spreadsheets, uh, pitch documentation, management presentations were really helpful. That chunk of work that I did there for the course of two or three years, I believe, Um, it really helped me in my entrepreneurial career to know what's going on inside the company um, and be able to present it also externally. And that's, that's really a craft that you need to uh, gather and need to develop. Um, and still, today, uh, I'm looking back at it uh, as a very grateful experience um, with a lot of adventures, of course. And having a pitch document in place is just one thing. If you're a shitty presenter, then all the hard work is done for nothing. There were also colleagues uh, at that time, you know, making the most beautiful presentations. Even senior people, um, not able to really deliver their message and and lacking energy and lacking vision. And uh, yeah, this 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 was really a skill that uh, not many people possessed. Um, so you really need to have your basic. Uh, uh, skill set in place, but also uh, you need to rely on, on convincing people. It's a matter of communication, just like the pitchmen and pitch ladies uh, at uh, the market. And I believe, especially in the world of an entrepreneur, if you're setting up a startup and you want to grow that business, um, your pitch is, pitch is the single thing that can get your business off the ground. It really matters. You send it uh, over to clients if you want want to win a business, deal with them, uh, solve their problems. Uh, But at the same time, if you want to uh, get extra funding for your company, you really need to have a solid pitch in place. And in the startup world, investors receive many, many pitches every year. And only a fraction of the pitches lead to an investment. I believe only out of the thousand proposals that an average private equity or venture capital firm receives, uh, 10 proposals are made, resulting in a term sheet, and even less of the uh, proposals and term sheets are accepted. by both the private equity partner or the company, because they need to do also a very extensive due diligence um, in the company. So there's a lot of uh, chances that the deal doesn't uh, come along. And so it's basically a one in a thousand opportunity. And in this show, I will talk you through the ingredients, ingredients to create an irresistible and unforgettable pitch so that you're able to pitch like the pitchman. Here we go. Number one is about having a solid storyline. People are easily distracted and you really want to stand out. Tell your personal story. What made you come to do something with the idea? What is your personal connection with the problem your company is trying to solve? For this exercise it's important to start with a blank sheet of paper. And make a sketch of the topics you want to talk about. And when you talk about the problem you're solving for your clients or the big opportunity you're able to grasp, your speaking partner really needs to feel the pain that's arising from the problem. And discussing great examples is essential. And bring it with energy. And in my situation, I I sometimes brought a military handbook to talk through the pain of employees having to go over a ton of documents when they just joined their company in the onboarding phase and basically were sucked into a sink and swim exercise. And By doing that, you create a personal story that's going to be the fundament of your storyline. Basically, the narrative, what you're going to say and what you want to ask. And the last thing is also important. Don't forget to be clear, crystal clear what you're going to ask. Is it money? Is it partnership? Is it strategy? Is it... Consulting, is it help? So you really need to pinpoint what you really want to get out of it and also include, of course, many entrepreneurs doing a pitch uh, for a financial sponsor. It's important to to really have clarity about your ticket. So how much money are you going to ask and what are you able to offer in exchange for the investment? Things that you really need to be aware of. Number two is about doing it differently. I don't actually mean to wear a clown suit with this big red nose or make your slide material look really colorful with beautiful images and and a lot of noise and big fonts on it. No, not at all. It's about letting the message stick. You need to think of bringing something that your audience can play with. So if you have left the building, they still remember you. And it definitely makes you land your proposal, your presentation in a different tray on their desk. Because of the thousand presentations only 10 will be picked up for further discussions. And specifically, you could think of giving a product um, or a a login to a demo environment so they are able to play around with it or even uh, make a custom demonstration for your client or investor. And it's important that you let your product or service do its work that you are thinking bigger than the presentation. It's important to, to really stick to that. Do it differently so that people remember. And be relaxed, don't be nervous. There's no use to being nervous. It's, um, it's uh, important that you're authentic. Number three is about pr- approaching your pitch as an opportunity to, to build a long-term relationship be humble and grateful and see it as a learning opportunity because obviously you will hear, hear many times a no. And in my life and my career so far, I heard non-stop no. And it it really can make a difference. I learned if you keep your audience, prospective audience updated on your journey, even if you hear a no and share with them how grateful you are about the feedback and the insights and even if you have this feeling like hey this this person or this investment firm is really a good fit with our company given their expertise in the market it really helps you know to uh, to get them aligned on uh, on your entrepreneurial journey because there will be many more opportunities for you to arrive at and to help them um, make them uh, golden for you. So at least it is important to give the right impression how it is to work together um, especially if you give them updates they, they see that you are, uh, they are that you are cool. you're done your best and even the most hardcore data-driven audience can appreciate it. And be creative and see what works best for you. Important to build a long-term relationship. It's not a transaction. Fourth, timing is important. It's the number one hygiene factor. By keeping your presentation very compact, it's for a really good cause. Try to get your story told. In 10 to 15 minutes maximum, If people are interested, they will ask you a lot of questions. If not, you have saved yourself a lot of time. And this also brings me to a lot of mistakes that you can find in in hundreds, thousands of presentations. So if you talk about the timing, keep your presentation short and to the point. It's also a mistake I made uh, for for quite some time. because you are enthusiastic and you want to explain a lot of, a lot of information. Here we go. There's mistakes. There's no structure and it's difficult to follow. And having a clear and logical message is key. Think about the storyline. Too many details never, ever lead to results. I will come back to this later on the lack of knowledge with the audience, man, in this time you can really investigate everything, every single person you, you will be talking to. Check out LinkedIn, <coughs> social channels, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, find all the pieces of information together and and see what they can bring to the table and what you learn from them and what the prospective questions are that you want to Position to them. Next, no response to difficult questions. So those people, as investors, are really, uh, really smart people. Also, uh, quite a lot of colleagues who I was working with, um, in my during my tenure at the investment bank, uh, have become. Investors and they're real brilliant people. they are really superstars in economics and related to st- strategic questions how markets are developing they, they've every every critic, every flag they are able to just to grab that out of your presentation and even bullshit they uh, cut right through it. So it's important to be prepared with a list of questions so that you rehearse it. And you don't need to put everything in the presentation, but be able that you can, for instance, carry, in addition to the presentation, some more extensive information about your company in the market with some articles. You can bring it with you and give it to your audience at the end of the presentation as a giveaway. So if they are triggered, then you make the right decision to hand over. But do not give them the extra information before the presentation so they will be distracted. And your chances to get a next meeting will be seriously reduced. Being not persistent is also very critical because you will hear often more no's than yes. And please remember that there's always someone who believes in you. You will have to do a lot of meetings. But at the same time, if you've done your homework investigation, you also understand which investor to talk to. So make a short list talk to different people, other entrepreneurs who are working with um, the investors, ask them for the experiences, and don't be shy. I was always a bit shy, and I think uh, that's uh, no use. They're able to to answer your question, and and they're people too. So be good and uh, make the best out of it. Leaving out a lot of details is important. And I used to include any specific detail on the slide and to try and have an answer of any question. And this fifth ingredient is basically done to leave out a lot of details because you set yourself up for a difficult pitch. If we do that by being less detailed and sticking to your story. You will get the chance to really be authentic and become a master at answering questions. The more information you put in, the more difficult questions you will receive. And don't forget to set the agenda prior to the pitch, how much time you have got. These are the things we will talk about. And of course, time for questions and answers. I can also help to put a time for question slide in the presentation to pause yourself. So if you have talked about, for instance, the company background, mission vision, the company activities that you then take a moment, you know, to, to briefly ask, Hey guys, are there any questions so far? And then you can move on. But once again, try to get your story told in 10 to 15 minutes maximum. That's the attention span you really need to grab. And the agenda is also key to send over to, uh, to the secretary or to your contact person. No matter if you are working with a potential client or investor, send out the agenda so they know where you're coming for. Um, and you can talk shop. And if you don't ask what you want, then the answer will be no. You can't be uh, sure about that. And if you're enthusiastic, you can go on and on and make sure you're able to to kill it. And Let me explain a situation that can happen to any entrepreneur. I call it a walk on fire situation. It's just like if you're a circus bear uh, walking on this top of this fiery hot calls and some advisors and investors' clients can really drive you crazy by asking you to include any nitty-gritty detail in in the slide deck. When with keypads an MPE well-being platform uh, that unfortunately did not make it, um, we got asked by our advisor to work out a lot of details that we actually did not have in place yet like monthly, quarterly, future projections for the upcoming five years. And this created, at first sight, a monstrously detailed presentation. And I still think it's one of the best pieces we ever made. And we put in so much time and effort that regardless the, the time and effort we put into it, the structure with the extensive details really set us up for failure as it did not connect any longer to our hearts. And we were entering this treadmill situation where you get a lot of questions and you want to, of course, answer them on your slides and you want to make make yourself better, you want to grow. And that happens. The more funding is becoming a critical topic, the more dependent you are feeling to investors and people with money to to give uh, the required lifeblood to your company, to your baby. And this dependency is a prime vulnerability to any entrepreneur. It's the dependency trap. And similar to the beginning with Apical, I learned that there are many so-called helpful people who try to use you with their advice. They all want to have a piece of the pie. And it's typical for the Netherlands that are a ton of people positioning themselves, uh, you know, as influential, as wealthy, um, ready to invest. But those people, guys, they cost you energy, time, and a lot of money. And if you can't deliver, set the deadline. And when they cross the deadline, leave them. And don't put your hope in, in, in their hands. And I made that mistake uh, quite some uh, times, uh, a few times. And every startup is dealing with those people because you want to succeed. And you have this dependency trap. You want to get going. And at the end of 2012, early 2013, we did a fundraiser. It was what my previous company, Epical. Uh, where we were just having enough money to buy out the investors. And it was just uh, prior to Christmas, after Christmas, in the Christmas period, Christmas holidays, it was just after I received an invitation uh, for a shareholder meeting with the number one topic on the agenda, uh, my resignation. (laughs) So they delivered the letter by mail on, on Christmas Eve. So that's the games uh, that can be played. Uh, and in this process, we dealt with an advisor who helped us lining up the investors for the buyout. So this guy had a decent understanding about the numbers, uh, the working capital, the crowd capital, um, and the situation with the investors. And we needed to buy out... Um, A shareholder, um, a majority shareholder, I think they had 90% 90 equity stake in the company, so it was quite an extensive uh, buyout for a very small company just making three hundred three hundred fifty thousand 350,000 euros in the first year, so it was not bad. Um, And I remember looking at the proceeds of the deal uh, when we... uh, came to the conclusion phase with uh, two informal investors. I think we had to pay nearly 250K to the two private equity investors. And we received at that time, early February, 290K uh, and a little bit more than 100K a month later. So all of a sudden... After the completion of the deal, we also got uh, from two advisors, one doing the due diligence for one of the informal investors um, and the other one helping us out with the investor lineup. We received invoices um, of around €40,000. And if you add up the numbers, you can conclude that we did not have enough money you know, to grow the company. And this was was really, really bad because we were able to complete the deal. So we became 100% owner uh, with my uh, co-founder and buddy at that time. Um, But yeah, then you uh, have the shares and of course you have the running business, uh, but you also need to make sure that the company can can develop and grow further. And because of the stress and, and the situation, I... At that time, to me, it wasn't such a big deal. I really uh, thought it was part of the uh, the journey and get going. And yeah, you have to persist. You have to move on. But my co-founder got very sick of it, not able to keep himself on track at that time. And I think it was good that we stuck together at that time, despite the start and... Managed to get all the stuff behind us. And it's important that you, and when these things happen, the dependency trap, you have a lot of people uh, trying to make use of the situation and there are also tons of helpful people who uh, who help you out um, at no cost. uh, And those are the people who you need to, uh, to collaborate with. And if you're a vulnerable startup, uh, remember there are always people uh, coming towards you uh, that have different intentions. Intentions that are related to just sending a very big fat invoice. So please stick to your own story and be laser focused. Your time in your life is your most valuable asset. And... Learning is good, but always keep the story and the material in line with your personal message. And leave these parasites, fortune seekers, out of your world. Energy management is important. Those pitchmen and pitch ladies are shouting at the market. You don't need to do that. Make sure you sleep well. And you feel relaxed and energetic. And mental factors have a huge, huge influence. And excited, well rested speakers perform better. And your cognitive abilities are severely reduced when you um, don't get enough sleep. You'll be more confident and less stressed. And I don't have experienced many issues with. Issues with my energy management. Even practicing in the late night hours. It really did not affect my energy level. Especially not in the early 30s. However, it did, what I learned afterwards, really influence my unconscious stress level. So you're always bearing a piece of stress with you. And it will become more of a problem when you get older. And now when I'm 42... You notice how important it is to take a good rest and to not put, put up too many games on different chess boards. And being enthusiastic, positive, with a smile, it will always enhance your performance and the likelihood of success. That's the business card you can provide to anyone in life. Just be... Humble and be positive. Explaining exactly what your product or service is doing is not just helping your audience to gain a better understanding. From the pain you're feeling whilst talking about the problems you're solving in the market, it's important to talk about what is making your product or service unique. Because there are a lot of solutions, but is your solution unique? You also need to understand who your target audience is. So you can use demographic and psychographic features to pinpoint your customers. Uh, this is something for millennials or this uh, solution is uh, for new joiners. Uh, this solution is more for small and medium sized enterprises um, or even when you target a certain market niche. Uh, this uh, solution can be for instance for uh, for retailers manufacturing sites oil and gas industry you name it so it's important to really sit down and determine what is important there for your target audience and try to find a trend within your customer base for instance you might have clients in a certain market look at the trends and why specifically are you able to do business with those clients and have you asked them why they have done business for you so this data and these responses from your existing clients you can use that to identify the impact you're able to create in the market and if you're not <clears throat> doing something unique or different it's not an issue you know you can just go back to the drawing board rethink and talk to people and make sure you're going to be unique because you have the energy and enthusiasm and you want to win uh, win the world. What is, I believe, important as a founder is that to some extent you, you are feeling alone uh, when you do the fundraising and... I experienced that myself as well because a lot of people in the team are doing different stuff. And then you are out there also, also doing, uh, the fundraising on top of your existing activities, like seeing clients, doing management meetings, speaking with new hires, firing people, you name it, um, solving financial issues. Uh, a lot of stuff is, is, is at your plate. Um, and that's why I believe looking now back at um, at uh, the previous years, it's important to include a lot of more people, you know. Make sure you have a team in place uh, so you can rely on the teamwork. Um, think of, you know, a few of your colleagues who have been with your company right from the beginning, um, close friends, um, and... Also, preferably, some people who are less subjective to ask for the f- feedback. So, you can practice your presentation and your messaging, and you have also the opportunity to ask other people to do the pitch presentation in front of you. So, let other people do the presentation for you when you are rehearsing, and that will provide you with a mirror. So you will get the right feedback, you know, like, oh shit, this story I need to tweak a bit. Um, So you can make it more successful, more sharper, the message, and less time consuming. Remember, 10 to 15 minutes maximum. Even in meetings with clients, if they have an hour, you can make your point During the first 10 to 15 minutes, and then you can talk about all the other topics and questions they want to get answered. And that mirror is really important, and you know, and it's good to know, that you're on the right track. A red flag is a red flag. You will meet a lot of people in your life as an entrepreneur. And it is exactly for this reason that I find this the most important tip. If you're not feeling right with the audience, follow your own gut. That's why it is so handy to keep your presentation short and to the point. To make sure you're able to win on your terms, make sure you dress as sharp as you can. And you can judge a person by the way, someone looks like this fluffy bitch man, his hat, his microphone and stuff like that. But make sure you look good, you know, and you have all the things with you. Your charger, your laptop is uh, fully charged. You, uh, you're able to, to demonstrate your product or your technology. Make sure it's ready to go and make sure you are able to exploit that. And circling back to the pitch man, what priorities would this artist put in your candy bag? So if you're looking at me as a young guy with my big blue eyes, and my chubby chin, uh, this nice smile. What priorities would this artist put in your candy bag? If you're looking with those big eyes for a pitch of a lifetime, but most importantly the best outcome that will make you happy. And mistakes and hazards, I mentioned a few in this uh, episode, they are all around the corner. And here is what you can do you know, to avoid the majority of them. Please, guys, avoid falling into the de- dependency trap. Yes, money is important to move on and grow, But you also need to follow your gut feel and your heart. So if you have a day job and you want to say goodbye to your day job, think of, you know, working part-time. It's important to feed your family, you know, to pay your rent, to pay your mortgage. Make sure it's okay and don't make yourself being stuck in in the corner and feeling dependent. That feeling is fucked up. I had it uh, several times. And I remember in 2016, you know, that I would go all in to get the funding in place at multiple interested investors. And I had no doubt that we would not succeed. But you really need to think about your responsibilities with your team. You have to complete the payroll every month. Taxes, creditors, and a lot of money is flowing out the business. And you want to achieve big time. You want to expand the team, so there are also a lot of expenses and investments you want to make. But if you need to let go of a majority stake of your founding shares, it will sooner hit you. So be aware of that. The dependency trap can also drag you into bigger problems. And when we got this proposal for 52% um, investment, that made us filthy rich and a lot of money to grow. Yeah, you you were simply thinking at that time, okay, uh, our company is going to be around for the years to come, so why not? You know, let's uh, let's do it. And the other options were not that interesting. So um, money can also be um, misleading. And at that time, I also felt something was not right yeah, of course, as a founder, you also have the responsibility to your team and your family. And that's also a factor you need to be aware of, you know, dependency trap, your responsibility to the team and the company. You want to make sure your company is going to be all right. And to me, that deal actually lasted, uh, yeah, a few years. Um, So it's important, of course, I've said it many, many times to listen carefully to yourself. Um. figure out what you want and then move on and don't walk as a circus beer on this fire doing tricks and stuff like that is simply not okay And if promises are not kept in the beginning, there's no basis of trust anyways. And you can skip that because you've seen the red flag. And what I told you in the early episodes, it's important to share your responsibilities and your vulnerabilities. And then you can really identify yourself if a collaboration is in it for the long run. And just remember, there's more at stake than, than just a pitch. There's far much more at stake. It's your life, especially with doing extensive deals in the beginning of your company, when you move from startup to scale-up. So, guys, this is it. Um, some valuable tips and personal stories that... I hope we'll let you win at your terms, so that you're going to be an artist in pitching to your future clients and investors. The Circus Tent podcast season number one is nearly coming towards an end. We have three more episodes that we will produce for you before the 1st of March, Of course, we'll be having a brand new season, the second season in the existence of uh, The Circus Tent, and I'm very proud of it that we will uh, continue our journey to produce content for any entrepreneur or young aspiring entrepreneur to learn about the other side of building your business. And we will be producing a brand new book. It's called The Art of Vulnerability delivering mental resilience in startup chaos it will be released at the end of april 2022 you can already make a pre-order on our website circustent.com slash shop thank you so much for your help and have a great day